0: Welcome to the Powering Potential with Robert Walters podcast, where we speak to business leaders around the globe to bring you the latest trends and insights from the world of work. Hello and welcome to this special podcast miniseries from Robert Walters in New Zealand. I'm Andy McLean, a journalist and podcaster, and in this miniseries, we're taking you behind the scenes of one of the world's most trusted, and admired sporting institutions, New Zealand rugby. We're here to find out how a relatively small organisation from a relatively small nation manages to deliver some of the greatest rugby union sides the world has ever seen. And we're here to talk with the insiders who make New Zealand rugby an employer of choice for top talent, not just in New Zealand, but the world over. Right now, you're listening to part two of our conversation with Chief People Safety and Wellbeing Officer Andrea Brunner. You're about to hear Andrea's take on New Zealand Rugby's employer brand, gender diversity strategy, and employee welfare approach. Helping us to do that is ardent rugby fan and recruitment leader Shay Pieces, who is Chief Executive of Robert Walters in New Zealand and Australia. So, without further ado, let's jump in and hear the discussion. Okay, Andrea, let's start off with a, a little personal reflection. You, you joined New Zealand Rugby in May last year. And before you started, what was your perception of the New Zealand rugby employer brand and how has that compared to reality?
1: I think one of the things that we yeah, again is just a really different here to other organizations within is just the level of public interest and the that comes with that, and our comms people say that's a blessing and a curse. Um, in terms of just, I started at the time last year, and there was a lot of um, interest in the media around our coaching, performance, and performance of our teams. Uh, change of coach. Um, it was a really interesting time in terms of how that played out in the media. You know, so it's just an it's an interesting dynamic in the culture. Probably I hadn't of um, appreciated um, in terms of just that level of public interest.
0: That is really interesting, isn't it? Because if you stop and think for a moment about New Zealand rugby as an organisation as you do every day, not a massive organization, but the quantity of media scrutiny and exposure that you guys get is massively higher than some organisations that are enormous.
1: That's right. We you know, we you know, my um of my role is to um not get the, after the info New in Zealand rugby inbox on a Monday morning. Uh, and depending on how our teams perform over the weekend, um, there can be a lot of people that write a lot of things into our general email inbox um, on Monday morning and have us, you know, want to have a say about it. So it's just an interesting dynamic. You know, I think the other thing I didn't really appreciate um, before I joined New Zealand Rugby is how what a global business it is. So you know, we're a New Zealand organisation, but actually we deal with people all over the world. Uh, our partners, our suppliers, our world rugby that's based in the UK, um, you know, all our games are played on the weekend. So it's definitely not a Monday to Friday, you know, nine to five job. Um, so it does come with those challenges. And I remember I'd taken this role as a bit of a, you know, kind of, not a step back, but, a, you know, it just needs to give me capacity to do other things. And I remember after my first, you know, a couple of months and my husband saying, how's that going for you? You know, you know <laughs> kind of more capacity. And I was like, mm, yeah. It's it's you know, we are working, you know, we do a lot of late night calls, early morning calls with our global counterparts, our commercial business with we, partners. We're not we're in a northern hemisphere time zone. we do a lot of work on the weekends, my phone's on twenty four seven. Um yeah, things happen on a weekend, whether it's well being or media or accidents. Yeah. So it's that's probably just been again, had I stopped and thought about it, that probably would have made sense, but um, but it's not a, you know, office nine to five. Not that any offices these days, but it's not a kind of regular working hours kind of organisation. Which puts a lot of toll on our people as well, because in today's world, you know, you're working, you could work, you know, we've got a board meeting tonight, so a lot of our board are in the UK at the moment or in France, um, you know, which is from you know six p.m. to nine pm tonight, you know, which um, you know, we we end from normal hours today. So it's it's just it's just different than I thought about at the time.
0: Yeah, Shay, I'm interested. Um, You're obviously partnering with New Zealand Rugby now as a a sponsor. Um, What have been your observations of the employer brand proposition for New Zealand
2: Rugby? Because you obviously see lots of different employer brands out there. Any reflections you've got? It's a reflection that I'm going to take directly from my experience last week being in Paris as as a supporter of New Zealand Rugby. And the pulling power of the brand from a global perspective, it's fascinating to see as a New Zealander, to see the amount of star power that is pulled and to support New Zealand rugby, regardless of industry or sport or specialisation. Being in the New Zealand rugby box and seeing chief executive from Altrad, trad chief executive from Adidas, along with Taika Waititi, uh, Jason Momoa, you know, you're talking about PSG, football stars, the pulling power of the brand is phenomenal. And when we were looking at partnering or supporting New Zealand rugby, one of the things that became very quickly apparent was that New Zealand rugby, or the All Blacks, are the most trusted sporting brand globally. And to have that as an employer brand proposition from New Zealand, it's just phenomenal. So don't underestimate the pulling power of that brand because it is truly global. Obviously, from an attraction perspective, that poses a very different challenge than a number of organisations face. So, there's no challenge with, necessarily with attraction, but from the pulling power of employer brand, there's there's not too many organisations, or there's I I, don't, I can't think of one in New Zealand that would have a stronger employer value proposition than that as a brand.
0: Andrea, interested with the level of attention that you've talked about there, the organisation has. And the prestige that the organization has in the marketplace, how do you make sure that the employee experience uh, matches what I guess would be some pretty high expectations?
1: Yeah, and it's like say, it's, um, you know, being realistic through the recruitment process um making sure we're hiring people for the right reasons you know often it's like when I used to hire people into you know what I still do into into the action function say, why do you want to read that chat they say I love people you're like and maybe they're not the right reasons <laughs> Come on, we can act- you see all the wrong side of sometimes but yeah you know so making sure we're getting the right people for the right reasons yep the brand is good and that and if you've got an affinity with and alignment with the values that to be great um but you need to want to do the job that we need to keep done you need to realize you know, I had some conversations with um, some young um, woman that I'm mentoring at the moment about, you know, which, what they want to work in rugby. And I was like, well, you know, you're at the early stage of your career. Um, you know, you'd probably possibly want to go on somewhere that's a bit bigger and give you some more experiences. You know, so it's not talking people out of coming to work, about being realistic about what you're coming to do. You, you're not coming to be an all black. You know, so it's being realistic. And if you can marry out both people's getting the what they need out of the job, uh, and in, a, in a values alignment sense, the great things that come from working at New Zealand Rugby—that's the best. You that's the best, yeah, best marriage for that. But I think you're trying to be realistic with people about what they are coming to, and yeah, the fact that it's hard work and it's long hours and it's, you know, and it's you know, small sports org in many respects, the resources are match that. Um, you know, there's lots of things that are challenging. Um, but yes, you get so many. You know, there are many great aspects to that as well.
0: Mm. And you mentioned uh, that you were talking with a group of young women recently, and I'm interested in that gender side of things because New Zealand uh, rugby, indeed all rugby, has a male-dominated past, but women have since become much more involved. In fact, one in five players in New Zealand now are women. and The numbers are rising all the time. So I'm just interested in what the gender breakdown is within your organisation, New Zealand Rugby, right now, and how... Um, are you using your employer brand to further break down old tropes and gender stereotypes about rugby?
1: Yes, yeah, so we're 50-50 now male, female um, rugby. We just tipped over that 50% this year. So half of um, half of our workforce well, now are female. And we just tipped over this year our um, 40% woman on the board target. So as part of being part of. And so this year had Jane Patsy really appointed as our first uh, female chair ever of New Zealand rugby. Uh, we've got competitive activity on our executive team now. Um, so, you know, we have got a lot more women working in rugby. And that in itself, I mean, now I say the time is set from the top. And I noticed from my time joining to the time now where we have Dame Patsy as the chair, just having a female chair and one that has her mana, you know, has made a huge difference to how the board are working, how they conduct themselves, the kind of conversations, you know, the fact that the board come out and, um have lunch with the staff and here at the walling, just things that perhaps didn't happen before, not from any intent, but just because you've got a different, you know, person at the helm So um, you know, we launched our women and girls should just see with black firms win the world Cup. We've got women um, you know, being paid professionally as rugby players for the first time. So certainly for me it was part of the attraction of coming into the rugby united was because of where we were trying to get to in terms of being a more WSM and inclusive um, you know, um, game for everybody, um, and particularly the Groveville women's game.
0: And Shay, just interested there. So it looks like you know, we're seeing the evidence there at New Zealand Rugby of what a, a proactive diversity and inclusion strategy can look like and the achievements that can be made. Um, for organisations that are performing well in that space, like that, um, have you got any advice for how they carry that message out to the marketplace in their recruitment processes?
2: It's got to come through right through from the values from the interview process. So it probably actually starts at the job advertisement stage and making sure that, that is, those themes are coming through and that are very evident. And if you're using an intermediary, making sure you're, you're briefing the recruitment consultant on um, the policy and the values and those themes that need to be conveyed out to the wider audience. And so, regardless whether it's through um, an intermediary or through your advertising, that needs to be then consistently followed up through the interview process and part of the questioning and that values alignment that starts to really need to happen at that stage and then once the person might successfully get the role then it's carried through to things like induction and how they're how they're managed and how they're evaluated and so obviously people go through you know once they have a job they're um, evaluated through perhaps an appraisal process making sure some of those themes are carried through into the appraisal process and you know, part of the outcomes or part of the behaviours they need to show to further their career, um, they flow right through. So it's not, a, not just to the upfront end around the attraction piece, it's right the way through the um, job cycle. Andrea, New Zealand rugby's mission
0: mentions, quote, enhancing the welfare of players. Um, how does that focus of welfare extend off the field and to the wider workforce?
1: Yeah, we've got, um, as I said before, you know, we expect a lot of our people that work here, um, and they give a lot. Um, they work hard, they work weekends, they're passionate about what they do, um, and so we need to, you know, provide a, a working environment and a, in a, in a focus on, you know, making sure that um, we kind of have an environment that is conducive to staying well. Uh, we do an annual engagement survey and. One of the most um, high-scoring, things think good night accident so that this year was flexible working. So we have a high-trust environment. Uh, we don't have any rules around when you must come to an office or not come to an office. must be, I mean, obviously, you know, things that work around teams. Um, but really, um, we trust people to do the work they need to do in the way that they need to do it. And people say, you know, I'm the courage to, I can manage my work and life. I'm encouraged to, you know, make use of flexible working. I, you know, flexible working is encouraged. They score 100% on our survey. So it's something that um, we do really well to enable people. And, I'm you know, we're loud and proud about it. You know, often if I'm leaving office, I'm like, I'm off to watch being my son do something. Or I'm off to, um, you know, I went on Tuesday morning, I'm doing some study. I went to do a Ti a t- War as part of today um, or Māori Language Week. You know, it's, exclaiming to people, I'm off to do my professional development, um, you know, being kind of loud and proud about managing your life and your work. Um, so that's one thing. And then we have a range of things that's getting there. You know, Red Fireworks annual leave as a standard. We have, you know, um, a whole range of, you know, initiatives that um, mean that people can take leave, they can work how they need to, um, with all the standard benefits. Um, and then just one thing that we've means this year um, is that we've partnered up with an organisation called Groove as our um, as our wellbeing partner for New Zealand might be. So, Groove, um, uh, John Kieran is one of the founders um, of Groove. And so, it's a wellbeing platform, um, but it's a whole program of wellbeing. And we're about to implement that um, this year into our organization. Um, and so, we're going to have quite a deliberate program around, um, and that's a range of things from mental health training for managers to, you know, tools and techniques to, you know, challenges to a whole range of things, but a kind of a really um, structured well-being um, program for peoples.
0: Yes, it's quite a strategic and structured approach that you've just described there. Uh, Shay, is that, presumably, that's something you're seeing more and
2: more in in the wider workforce now, is that right? It's becoming increasingly important. People's welfare, both mental and physical, is extremely important. And in fact, some of the um, wider benefit schemes at the moment Really take into account, you know, opportunities for for welfare, and you know that might include um, subsidies for things like gym membership. It might be EAP support. It might be a number of different things to ensure that people are able to turn up to work and they're being supported to turn up to work and their well being is looked after. And I can endorse what Andrea is saying from a New Zealand rugby perspective. Having recently been working with a New Zealand commercial rugby team in Europe. Now, obviously it's a it's an extremely busy time for these individuals working long hours, but they are highly encouraged to ensure they take at least a week's break or a week out during that four week period. Now that was being led, you know, right that's being led right from the top. And if you know if that's being encouraged right from the top, that people's well being is at the center and the core of what the organization stands for. So having seen, you know, that NZ rugby firsthand through one of the busiest periods of the year, you know, it's quite fun to see. Yeah, setting
0: the right tone from the top. And, and all I could say, Andrew, is from what we've learned in the past few minutes of our conversation, it absolutely appears that you're doing that yourself at New Zealand Rugby. So thank you for role modelling some of those things and for sharing your experiences today. It's been a really enlightening conversation.
1: Thanks, Andy.
0: Thanks, Andy. Appreciate
2: it. And thanks, Andrew. Appreciate your time.
1: Go the All Blacks. (laughs) Yes. Make sure you get that on Andy. Go the All Blacks. (laughs)
0: And that brings us to the end of this episode in our mini-series. If you missed part one of our conversation with Andrea, make sure you take a listen on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And that's where to go if you want to subscribe and catch our future episodes as well. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening to this episode and goodbye for now.